Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Dan and Jeff Sports Channel Special Rivalry Week Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Jeff. Alright Joe, well, I think the best way to begin this show is obviously with, uh, you know, from a bias standpoint, the best rivalry in all college football, and of course, that's the Iron Bowl. Uh, kind of an interesting game this week, because I think even with the teams being as good as they are, with Alabama still having an outside chance of getting in the college football playoff, and Auburn being a top 15 team with a great defense, I feel like both fan bases... A little bit of malaise sitting in this game and not near as excited as they were even a couple of weeks ago. And even though this is one of, you know, probably only 10 times I've ever had a top 15 Iron Bowl matchup, I feel like a little bit underwhelming right now for this game. I think that's fairly accurate, Dan, due to the level of expectation of the two programs, especially over the last few years. Um, the SEC West crown is often at stake at some point. A form in this game, and here it's not on Saturday. Uh, Auburn, you know, had hoped to make a run at the SEC West this year. Not going to happen, but they can try to salvage the season by upsetting Alabama and preventing them from making the college football playoff. And I think that's the biggest storyline right now is whether Alabama can win this game and how good they can look doing it. Because I think that, you know, trying to overcome the obstacle of not being the uh, conference champion and still making the playoff is difficult, but Alabama has done it before, and uh, style points are key if they're going to try to uh, jump a team like Utah or Oklahoma as a conference champion. You know, Joe, I agree. And actually, uh, the two times before when Alabama got in, I mean, I think one of them I agreed with, I agreed with them in 2011 because that team really was the best team in America that year. And I understand they won the national championship in 2017, but I do not feel like they deserved it that year. They didn't play anybody. Uh, they got destroyed by Auburn in that game. And I kind of thought that, you know, Auburn could have beat them by 28 points that day. The team that got beat that badly did not deserve to get in. But this year, I mean, they don't have to, uh, and they did come back against a good LSU team. Uh, granted, it probably should have been a, a bigger margin of victory, but Alabama played great in the second half to make it interesting. And I think if, if Alabama can go into Jordan-Hare Stadium against probably either Auburn or Georgia have the best defense in America, go against arguably the best defense in America with, I think, without a doubt, the best defensive line in America, and win a game with a backup quarterback, I got no problem with them getting into college football playoff. I, I know that their schedule was a little bit weak this year, but – there's not many teams in America right now. I don't think there's more than four that could go out with a backup quarterback and beat Auburn in Jordan Air Stadium against that defense and that atmosphere. No, that's very true. And I think what bodes well for Alabama in this matchup is that for a lot of teams, it would be just a shell shock to lose a great starting quarterback. And while, you know, I don't want to um, bring an undertone to the loss of Tua, the point I'm trying to make is that Nick Saban has uh, won big games with quarterbacks like Mac Jones before or over the years. Uh, he usually has never had quarterbacks as talented as Tua. He's worked uh, great with game manager style quarterbacks like John Parker Wilson, Greg McElroy, etc. And so I think they'll be fine and know exactly what to do. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian will have the offense uh, more than prepared. Uh, they've had plenty of time the last couple of weeks. Um, 
to work uh, with Matt Jones. Uh, he started two games already this year and performed pretty well. He's been a very accurate passer. And then I think finally he has so many weapons around him offensively that he won't be called on to do too much. You have a great running back in Najee Harris, and you have probably the greatest uh, tandem of wide receivers in the sport, uh, led by uh, Judy and Smith. And so Matt Jones just needs to avoid turnovers and just put his team in a situation to win. And I think the players around him can take care of the rest. Yeah, Joe, I mean, the bottom line is his supporting cast that he has is fantastic. And he's got four guys that are probably going to play in the NFL to be able to throw the ball to. And that makes your job a lot easier as a quarterback. And it neutralizes a little bit of the advantage that Auburn has on the defensive line. Um, but by the same token, I mean, that's a rough first road start to have to make against this Auburn defense. And what I think is going to be interesting is I think it doesn't necessarily come down to Mac Jones as much as it does to what Bo Nix does. Because the opportunities are going to be there against what, I mean, let's be honest, this is a subpar Alabama defense. By most standards, it would be a above-average defense. But by Alabama standards, this is a terrible defense. And I think something like four out of the last six games, the teams have gotten more than 30 points against them. And a lot of teams have gotten over 200 yards rushing against them. So what's going to win this game or lose this game for Auburn is not how their defense does, because then the defense is going to do fine. And, um, you know, Alabama will have a chance to put up a little bit of points, but they're not going to put up 30 points against that Auburn defense. So what makes the difference in this game is can Bo Nix hit the open receivers, take the opportunities that are there, not turn the ball over, and can Auburn take advantage of what has been a poor rush defense for Alabama and maybe make Bo Nix more comfortable and not have to do as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Bo Nix needs to have an efficient day of throwing the football. He's got to get that completion percentage somewhere in the mid-60s. Uh, he's been flirting with the high 50s most of the season. Has to improve on that. Not turn the ball over against Alabama. And I think that the running game has been up and, up and down at times for Auburn this year. I really like Whitlow, um, but I think that getting Bo Nix involved early and confident with uh, some check downs and some short passes like screen passes is key. When you look at an offense like Alabama, it's very prolific, even without Tua with all the weapons that they have at their disposal. I think that it's really important to try to eat a lot of clock and uh, have ball control, and that's something that I think that Auburn can work to their advantage play more of a field uh, position game, let the defensive line uh, try to get pressure to the quarterback and try to control the game that way. I think so, too, Joe. I mean, I think that this is going to be a lot like the Auburn-Georgia game in that the team that gets the most rushing yards is the one that wins. I think that, you know, uh, Bonex is, is not a freshman in the traditional sense of the word anymore because he's played a whole season. He's still not going to want to put a whole lot on him, and I don't think Alabama is going to put a lot on Mac Jones. And so I think that the two most important players in the game are going to be Najee Harris and Booby Whitlow in terms of how they run the football. Because either one, I mean, if you're Alabama, what you want to do is hold on to the ball to wear down that Auburn defensive line so that suddenly you can have some of your really fast athletes hit a screen pass and take it to the house. Or have Najee Harris have a tired defensive line and linebackers that he can get past. 
And by the same token, you know, Auburn, the more they hold on to the ball, the fresher the defense is, and the more they have a chance to make plays, and the more you wear down what is really a pretty thin Alabama defense and have your own chances at big plays. So I think ball control is more important in this game than it is in most games. And I think the rushing yards statistic is much more important than if Bo Nix throws for over 300, if Mac Jones throws for over 350. Yeah, I think rushing yards and the number of turnovers is what I'll be looking at. It seems that any time you compete with Alabama or have a chance to knock them off, you have to win that turnover battle to steal some extra possessions from them. But ultimately, Dan, I do think that Alabama will find a way to squeak it out on the plains. I like them to take this game 24 to 20. I think that Auburn's defense will stifle them at times and make things a lot tougher on Matt Jones because granted, Matt Jones, while he started two games previously and then played an entire half against Mississippi State, that, that was not the best competition with teams like Arkansas State and, of course, uh, this past weekend with the Cupcake game they had at home. And so this will be a different style of test, but I think they've had enough time to prepare him for that, and they'll be able to do just enough to uh, win. Yeah, John, I think it's going to be a very tight game and definitely on the lower scoring side. You're not going to see what you saw back in 2014 or last year with a, a huge outpouring of points. Um, you know, if Tua was in this game, I would definitely pick Alabama, but I really think that makes the difference in this. I just don't see Mac Jones being able to come in and get the level of support he needs to win this game. And plus, I kind of think that I think Bo Nix is going to have a good game. You saw a little bit better results against Georgia at the end of it. They have Booby Whitlow back healthy, which he hasn't been in a while, and DJ Williams is picking it up. And I think that Bo Nix is going to have just a conservative, good game manager type role. And I think that you're going to see Booby Whitlow and DJ Williams have good games rushing it. And I do think that they're going to commit a couple turnovers. I think that you're going to see Auburn secondary got like three interceptions last week, and they're starting to play a lot better. And I think you're probably going to get at least one strip sack. And I think turnovers and rushing yards make the difference. And right now, I like Auburn's defense more than I like Alabama's defense. And I think I like our ability to run the ball better overall than them. And I think we win a game 27 to 24. Okay. And I think there's right one other thing. Right down to the field goal, yeah. Uh, you know, with it being at home, with Tua being out, and then I think with – the pressure that Alabama has to have to win big, which is what, what everyone's like putting out there for them to do. I just think they're going to play tight and they're not going to have it. I do think they're a better team than Auburn. I just think that all of the X factors kind of line up to Auburn winning this game. Mm-hmm. Right. But if two are in, I'd give them a 10-point advantage. Well, as we alluded to earlier, I think that Auburn has to knock off Alabama to officially eliminate them from the playoff. If Alabama wins, I think both of us are thinking that they find a way in. I think so. I, mean, I, I think if they beat Auburn 3-2, to two, they deserve to get in. I, I think that it's that much of a, a feather in their cap to go in against that defense and that environment with a backup and win. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll switch to the next part of, of our rivalry, wearing my hottie toddy shirts tonight, uh, for, for the egg roll. Um, definitely not near as much at stake from a national standpoint, but I think for both these coaches, it's a very important game. Um, more so for Moorhead than I think for um, for Matt Luke. 
I mean, Luke right now, I think he's safe. They could go out and lose by 50 points to Mississippi State. It doesn't make any difference. But Joe Moorhead has really bothered a lot of Mississippi State fans, not so much for what they've done this year, but for the missed opportunity he had last year with four first-round draft picks and really a very poor uh, season with all of that talent. And then to follow that up this year with being 100% non-competitive against the upper echelon teams in the SEC. I don't think Mississippi State fans were expecting them to go out and beat Auburn, Alabama, LSU this year. But they didn't want to get like wiped off the floor by them, which is what has happened in every single one of those games. And so I think right now, Moorhead needs to beat Ole Miss, get a bowl game, get a little bit of that goodwill back. Because right now, it seems like they're pretty apathetic to him towards them in Starkville. Well, I kind of feel like both fan bases are approaching this game with a level of apathy. I think you're right. For Mississippi State, the frustration and apathy is probably on another level because it looks like Moorhead could be fired either way. Um, but definitely if they lose uh, tomorrow night. As far as the matchup itself, it's very interesting because in years past, when Ole Miss is involved in any football game, you expect to see a lot of passing yards, a lot of pass plays. That is anything but the case in 2019 for Ole Miss with Plumlee, with uh, Jerry on Ely, the talented uh, running back as a freshman. And then Mississippi State has Kyle Hill, who I believe leads the SEC in rushing yards, which kind of surprised me when I looked at that statistic. And they also have Garrett Schrader, who is a freshman uh, quarterback that plays a lot, that also has a uh, a good uh, ability to run ball. And so I think that passing yards will be at a premium, and it will just depend on uh, which offense can run the ball more effectively, and maybe more importantly, which defense can do a better job of slowing down or containing uh, the opposing offensive attack. What I find very compelling when I did some research about this game, you look at the Ole Miss rushing attack since uh, John Rice Plumley became the starter earlier in the season. They have put up some ridiculous numbers against uh, good SEC defenses. Even against Auburn, I think they had about 150 rushing yards. Against Alabama, they had 287 rushing yards. Against LSU, they had 402 rushing yards. And while those defenses are not anywhere close to the level of what we've come to expect of those two programs in recent years, I think if they can do that against those defenses, they can certainly do it against Mississippi State. Maybe not to the tune of 400 yards, but I definitely think that they can flirt with 250 at least. And so right now, I'm leaning towards Ole Miss because of those numbers in the past, because I think that there's a little bit more energy within the Ole Miss program internally because they still believe in Matt Luke. And then finally, I just think that John Rice Plumley and Jerry on Ely are just too good for Mississippi State to stop them. I think that they're going to get on the outside, pick up a lot of yards, and be really tough to tackle. Well, Joe, I think what you've seen with Ole Miss this year is you saw a team that if they were managed right was maybe a seven-win team. I think that had they started Plumley from day one, they would have beaten Missouri, they would have beaten Cal, and we'd be talking about this Ole Miss team in a much different tenor than what we're talking about right now. I mean, the way Plumlee's played the last few games, um, I thought he played decent against Auburn, but he played fantastic against LSU. And if, L- if Ole Miss's defense could have put up any kind of uh, barrier to that fantastic uh, offense led by Burrow and those amazing receivers, 
then I think you would have seen Ole Miss win that game even. But right now they're playing with a lot of confidence. And one thing that I've noticed about Mississippi State is they have a bad rush defense. Um, the best Auburn's rushing attack has looked all season was against Mississippi State. Uh, you were the first drive of that game. That was Booby Whitlow destroying Bully on a touchdown run because that was the kind of game it was for Mississippi State. They couldn't stop Auburn from rushing at all. And it was the same thing when they played Alabama and Tennessee. I mean, down the list, teams even that don't have that good of rushing attacks have gotten 200-plus yards against Mississippi State. And based on Ole Miss's confidence now, having done it to a pretty decent LSU D-line, I think Ole Miss going to go for 300 yards plus against uh, Mississippi State. Now, I also think that Mississippi State's going to get their yards with Colin Hill and with Schrader running it against this Ole Miss defense. But I, I just I think that the Ole Miss offense is better right now. And I think that her team is, is more into this game. I think from a motivation standpoint, I think Ole Miss – you know, is a little bit more confident in themselves and sees the light at the end of the tunnel right now. Meanwhile, it seems like you're just backing further and further into darkness right now with that, with that state program, and I just don't think they're going to be that motivated. Yeah, absolutely. I think that with all this, you're building for the future with all of the freshmen that they have that are so talented. And with Mississippi State, you're just looking back in the rearview mirror and thinking what could have been last year with that outstanding defense and it kind of feels like uh, a lot of missed opportunities, and they're going nowhere as far as uh, the, the uh, trajectory of the program. Um, I think it will definitely be um, a, high, a fairly high-scoring game with a lot of yards, like you said. Um, you know, both defenses are not uh, the best. But defensively, I do think that two players I want to highlight real quick for Ole Miss that I think could have an impact are senior Benito Jones um, on the pass rush. And then uh, Lakia Henry, uh, the talented uh, Juco transfer at linebacker for Ole Miss, uh, he leads the team in tackles, and his ability uh, to tackle uh, Kyle Hill will be uh, very important. Yeah, Jody, if you look at Mississippi State standpoint, I think uh, Leo Lewis is going to play a very big uh, role in this game because the best way to stop Ole Miss's rushing attack is to have a strong linebacker, someone who can spy on Plumlee and watch his option game to see whether he keeps it and can get him right when he gets past that second uh, wave of, of defenders, which he's going to do. And so I think that if the State's going to want to win this game, they're going to need a big game from Leo Lewis. Yeah, for sure. But ultimately, I'm going to say that Ole Miss uh, wins 34-27. to 27. Yeah, Joe, I like Ole Miss in this game as well. Uh, a little bit higher scoring. I think Ole Miss wins this game 41-38. to 38. Pretty much Pac-12 style, except not through the air, but on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, speaking of a game that probably is going to be more like what old school football is, a lot more like the Iron Bowl, let's look at the game, that being Ohio State-Michigan. I've always thought that was a really stupid moniker for a game to call it the game because no one knows what you're talking about when you say that. But uh, looking at Ohio State-Michigan, um, Joe, this is a game that, you know, in the middle of the season, we, we thought it would look a lot more like what last year's game was uh, and then the last eight years. And it just seemed like Michigan was a program out of sorts. It seemed like Harbaugh maybe, maybe had a foot out of the door. But suddenly Michigan's had quite the renaissance in the second half of the season. And you can make an argument that they're playing the best football anywhere in America right now. And suddenly this game has gotten 
Very interesting. Uh, you know, like I, I told you, there's a lot of X factors that favored Auburn to win that game against Alabama. Seems like there's a lot of X factors that are favoring Michigan to maybe finally get the best of the Buckeyes and have Harbaugh get that monkey off his back. Well, I think that Michigan can work with the confidence that they're playing great and they also have nothing to lose. They don't have the pressure that they had like in 2015 and 2018 when they took on the Buckeyes and where you're expected to win or were vying for a uh, position in the college football playoff. Uh, the most significant uh, change in Michigan's team over the last month or two is that the offense is flicking on all cylinders. The passing game with Shea Patterson is finally opening up the way we expected them to play um, when he arrived in Ann Arbor prior to last season. Um, they've given him uh, a lot more deference as far as you know his ability to improvise and be um, the quarterback that we all expected him to be. Um, I do think, though, that when you look at Ohio State, even though they're going to be going on the road to Ann Arbor in such a hostile environment where Michigan fans are starting to win this game, I do think that pound for pound, collectively, Ohio State has the most talented roster in the country. I really do not see any uh, inherent glaring weaknesses on this team. Uh, Justin Fields is just so efficient as a quarterback. You look at his touchdown-interception ratio of 33 to 1. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous. And then uh, J.K. Dobbins is uh, one of the greatest uh, running backs right now in sports. A slew of really good wide receivers. We know about the defense, which was up to last week, the number one uh, scoring defense in college football. And Chase Young picked up right where he left off prior to his suspension uh, last week against Penn State. And so I think that Michigan, the way they're playing, that they're going to make this a much more entertaining game than we would have expected a couple of months ago. But honestly, make no bones about it, I still have to uh, lean towards Ohio State. Well, Joe, I definitely think there's no doubt that the Michigan's going to play a great game here. I think the improved play of Shea Patterson, definitely the biggest factor in what they've turned around from being a team that had a good defense, but a very subpar offense, to suddenly having a really good offense and a great defense. Um, I just, you know, I, I get these feelings, Joe, about games where you have rivalries where one team is beating the other one for so long and there's not the biggest talent gap in the world that suddenly it seems like they're going to break through. And I just kind of think Michigan's going to win this game. Like last year, I, I think both of us called Ohio State to beat Michigan last year. Because you could sense that the moment was too big for them. Everyone was building Michigan up so much. And let's be honest, Urban Meyer is a much better coach than Jim Harbaugh. He's never shown that he could compete with someone like Urban Meyer. And I know that Ryan Day has done just an excellent job in his first year. But I kind of think that Harbaugh seems to have gotten rid of some of his, his worst tendencies. And I really like Don Brown's ability to scheme up for one game. And I think that Justin Fields is due for a bad game. He hasn't had one yet. And I kind of think that this might be a game where it could happen because, to be honest, even if Ohio State loses, they still have everything on the table for them if they win the Big Ten. So I kind of think that the Demons are going to exercise for Harbaugh and he's going to win this game in kind of a tighter, lower scoring game. Okay. I think the key to Michigan having a chance to keep it close throughout is protecting Shea Patterson against the pass rush with Chase Young. 
that Michigan offensive line against Chase Young is the most important matchup that I'm looking at. And then the second thing I'm looking at is that Ohio State did not turn the ball over because while Fields has been so good, otherworldly, if you will, about his touchdown-interception ratio, uh, J.K. Dobbins fumbled last week. They had some uh, untimely turnovers that allowed Penn State to hang around. You can't do that on the road against Michigan and expect to win. But I do think, like I said, just the talent level of Ohio State, I really like them right now. And I think that they'll find a way uh, to win in, in, in Ann Arbor. I think Michigan makes it interesting throughout three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, Ohio State pulls away and wins 31-17. to 17. All right. And Joe, I like Michigan in a tight, big upset here, 20-17. to 17. Low-scoring game. I think Fields is going to have a rough time against that Michigan defense. And I think Shea Patterson makes just enough plays, and Harbaugh finally gets that win, albeit not against Urban Meyer. Right. All right, Joe, let's switch to uh, sticking with the Big Ten real quick. Let's look at uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Minnesota's still a team that has a small outside chance of getting in the college football playoff if they can win. Uh, if they can beat Wisconsin first time they'll make a Big Ten championship game, who do you like in, in the battle for, I believe, it's the Little Brown Jug? Well, um, I think that with this rivalry, um, Wisconsin has you know had the upper hand a lot over the years. Uh, they've been the more dominant program, um, you know, almost even to the level of times of Ohio State versus Michigan because they've had so many appearances either in Big Ten championship game in the Rose Bowl. Um, I think that Minnesota's uh, offense with Tanner Morgan is really good, but I really like the rushing attack with Jonathan Taylor for Wisconsin, especially in a game like this. I think that going on the road to Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin is equipped with the running game that can eat up clock, that can limit possessions for Tanner Morgan, and then also the defense for Wisconsin that a lot of people have forgotten about after they lost a couple of games this season, this was the, one of the best defenses in the country uh, for the first month or two of the season. So I think that they um, find uh, their old uh, rhythm, and I think that they go on the road to Minnesota, uh, ruin their dream season, and that Wisconsin finds a way to get to the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, Joe, I'm on the same boat on this. I, I love what this Minnesota team has done. Getting that Penn State victory was huge. Seems like P.J. Fleck is starting to make them into a real contender. Unfortunately, Wisconsin's defense is that good. And the biggest problem that Minnesota has is their inability to run the football. Because you can beat Wisconsin running it, but they have, I believe, like a top five pass defense in America. And Tanner Morgan's not going to have a lot of windows. He's not going to get the chance to use his great wide receivers as much. And I think they're going to get shut down in the passing game when they don't have a strong enough uh, rushing attack to get enough points here. And meanwhile, Jonathan Taylor travels everywhere and never seems to have that bad of a game. And I think that this is just one of those times when Wisconsin's just a little better than them at the positions that matter, and they've been there before. And I think, yet again, Minnesota's going to get caught up in, in you know, the fact that this game is just so important and Wisconsin's just better than they are, and it's been there. So I like Wisconsin this game, 24-14. I'll say Wisconsin 30 to 23. All right. Uh, here's one real quick. We don't need to pick a winner because we know what it is. Uh, Joe, if Clemson beats 
South Carolina by 35 points is Will Muschamp still their coach next week? Um, I think that he'll hang on just because uh, we were talking before the show that the athletic director has uh, stated, you know, that they have a vote of confidence right now towards Muschamp. They're kind of behind him. And also, I think that it would be, you know, tough for a program like South Carolina to make a move and to find somebody a lot better this quick. But long term, I'm not so sure if I see Muschamp being the coach, you know, uh, more than two or three years down the road. But I do think he'll be back in 2020 regardless of the outcome of this game. Well, I think that if South Carolina is competitive for even a quarter, he'll probably be fine. But if it's something like 60 to nothing or in the 50s, I think you might be done. You don't like getting that dreaded vote of confidence. Um, and Joe, the last thing I wanted to end this show on is what I'm seeing is my huge upset of the week. I picked Alabama, I picked Auburn over Alabama, which is a four-point game. That's not that big of an upset. Uh, Michigan over Ohio State, I think, a couple weeks ago would have been a big upset, but not as much. But I see LSU going down this week against Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher due for a big win. This is the kind of team that matches up really good with LSU. Uh, I think Kellen Mond will be able to limit possessions. He can take advantage of what is not a great LSU defense. And I think A&M's passing defense, which is very solid, will limit Joe Burrow. And I think that this is the game where LSU finally loses. Well, it reminds you a lot of the 2007 Arkansas-LSU matchup. I do think it will be wildly entertaining, but I think LSU escapes 45-38. to 38. All right, Joe. I like uh, A&M in this game, 31-28. to 28. Uh, Thank you for listening to our show tonight, and look, everyone looking forward to Rivalry Saturday. You can catch our show on Spotify, look up the Dan and Joe Sports Show, and then also like us on Facebook and follow our fan page at Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. Yeah, Jeff. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Dan and Jeff Sports Show on special Rivalry Week show. As always, I'm Dan. Yeah, I'm Jeff. Hi, right, Joe. Well, I think the best way to begin this show is obviously with, uh, you know, from a bias standpoint, the best rivalry in all college football, and of course, that's the Iron Bowl. Uh, kind of an interesting game this week because I think even with the teams being as good as they are with Alabama still having an outside chance of getting in the college football playoff and Auburn being a top 15 team with a great defense, I feel like both fan bases, a little bit of malaise sitting in this game and not near as excited as they were even a couple weeks ago. And even though this is one of, you know, probably only 10 times I've ever had a top 15 Iron Bowl matchup, feel like a little bit underwhelming right now for this game. No, I think that's fairly accurate, Dan, due to the level of expectation of the two programs, especially over the last few years. Um, the SEC West crown is often at stake in some uh, form in this game. And here it's not on Saturday. Uh, Auburn, you know, the hopes to make a run at the SEC West this year, not going to happen, but they can try to salvage the season by upsetting Alabama and preventing them from making the college football playoff. And I think that's the biggest storyline right now is whether Alabama can win this game and how good they can look doing it. Because I think that, you know, trying to overcome the obstacle of not being the uh, conference champion and still making the playoff is difficult, but Alabama has done it before and uh, style points are key if they're going to try to uh, jump a team like Utah or Oklahoma as a conference champion. 
You know, Joe, I agree. And actually, uh, the two times before when Alabama got in, I mean, I think one of them I agreed with. I agreed with them in 2011 because that team really was the best team in America that year. And I understand they won the national championship in 2017, but I do not feel like they deserved it that year. They didn't play anybody. Uh, they got destroyed by Auburn in that game. And I kind of thought that, you know, Auburn could have beat them by 28 points that day. And a team that got beat that badly did not deserve to get in. But this year, I mean, they don't have to, uh, and they did come back against a good LSU team. Uh, granted, probably should have been a, a bigger margin of victory, but Alabama played great in the second half to make it interesting. And I think if, if Alabama can go into Jordan-Hare Stadium against probably either Auburn or Georgia have the best defense in America, go against arguably the best defense in America with, I think, without a doubt, the best defensive line in America, and win a game with a backup quarterback, I got no problem with them getting in the college football playoff. I, I know that their schedule was a little bit weak this year, but there's not many teams in America right now. I don't think there's more than four that could go out with a backup quarterback and beat Auburn in Jordan Air Stadium against that defense and that atmosphere. No, that's very true. And I think what bodes well for Alabama in this matchup is that for a lot of teams, it would be just a shell shock to lose a great starting quarterback. And while, you know, I don't want to um, bring an undertone to the loss of Tua, the point I'm trying to make is that Nick Saban has uh, won big games with quarterbacks like Matt Jones before or over the years. Uh, he usually has never had quarterbacks as talented as Tua. He's worked uh, great with game manager style quarterbacks like John Parker Wilson, Greg McElroy, etc. And so I think they'll be fine and know exactly what to do. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian will have the offense uh, more than prepared. Uh, they've had plenty of time the last couple of weeks um, to work uh, with Matt Jones. Uh, he started two games already this year and performed pretty well. He's been a very accurate passer. And I think finally he has so many weapons around him offensively that he won't be called on to do too much. You have a great running back in Najee Harris, and you have probably the greatest uh, tandem of wide receivers in the sport, uh, led by uh, Judy and Smith. And so Matt Jones just needs to avoid turnovers and just put his team in a situation to win, and I think the players around him can take care of the rest. Yeah, Joe, I mean, the bottom line is his supporting cast that he has is fantastic, and he's got four guys that are probably going to play in the NFL to be able to throw the ball to, and that makes your job a lot easier as a quarterback, and it neutralizes a little bit of the advantage that Auburn has on the defensive line. Um, but by the same token, I mean, that's a rough first road start to have to make against this Auburn defense, and what I think is going to be interesting is I think it doesn't necessarily come down to Mac Jones as much as it does to what Bo Nix does because the opportunities are going to be there against what, I mean, let's be honest, this is a subpar Alabama defense. By most standards, it would be a above-average defense. But by Alabama standards, this is a terrible defense. And I think something like four out of the last six games, the teams have gotten more than 30 points against them. And a lot of teams have gotten over 200 yards rushing against them. So what's going to win this game or lose this game for Auburn is not how their defense does, because then their defense is going to do fine. And um, you know, Alabama will have a chance to put up a little bit of points, but they're not going to put up 30 points against that Auburn defense. 
So what makes the difference in this game is can Bo Nix hit the open receivers, take the opportunities that are there, not turn the ball over, and can Auburn take advantage of what has been a poor rush defense for Alabama and maybe make Bo Nix more comfortable and not have to do as much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Bo Nix needs to have an efficient day at throwing the football. He's got to get that completion percentage somewhere in the mid-60s. Uh, he's been flirting with the high 50s most of the season. Has to improve on that. Not turn the ball over against Alabama. And I think that the running game has been up and, up and down at times for Auburn this year. I really like Whitlow. Um, but I think that getting Bo Nix involved early and confident with uh, some check downs and some short passes, like screen passes, is key. When you look at an offense like Alabama, it's very prolific, even without Tua, with all the weapons that they have at their disposal. I think that it's really important to try to get a lot of clock and uh, have ball control, and that's something I think that Auburn can work to their advantage, play more of a field uh, position game, let the defensive line uh, try to get pressure to the quarterback, and try to control the game that way. I think so, too, Joe. I mean, I think that this is going to be a lot like the Auburn-Georgia game and that the team that gets the most rushing yards is the one that wins. I think that, you know, uh, Bonex is, is not a freshman in the traditional sense of the word. He works his play the whole season. He's still not going to want to put a whole lot on him, and I don't think Alabama is going to put a lot on Mac Jones. And so I think that the two most important players in the game are going to be Najee Harris and Booby Whitlow in terms of how they run the football. Because either one, I mean, if you're Alabama, what you want to do is hold on to the ball to wear down that Auburn defensive line so that suddenly you can have some of your really fast athletes hit a screen pass and take it to the house. Or have Najee Harris have a tired defensive line and linebackers that he can get past. And by the same token, you know, Auburn, the more they hold on to the ball, the fresher the defense is, and the more they have a chance to make plays and the more you wear down what is really a pretty thin Alabama defense and have your own chances at big plays. So I think ball control is more important in this game than it is in most games. And I think the rushing yard statistic is much more important than if Bo Nix throws for over 300, if Mac Jones throws for over 350. Yeah, I think rushing yards and the number of turnovers is what I'll be looking at. It seems that any time you compete with Alabama or have a chance to knock them off, you have to win that turnover battle to steal some extra possessions from them. But ultimately, Dan, I do think that Alabama will find a way to squeak it out on the plains. I like them to take this game 24 to 20. I think that Auburn's defense will stifle them at times and make things a lot tougher on Matt Jones because. Brandon Matt Jones, while he started two games previously and then played an entire half against Mississippi State, the, that was not the best competition with teams like Arkansas State. And, of course, uh, this past weekend with the Cupcake game they had at home. And so this will be a different style of test, but I think they've had enough time to prepare him for that, and they'll be able to do just enough to uh, win. Yeah, John, I think it's going to be a very tight game and definitely on the lower scoring side. You're not going to see what you saw back in 2014 or last year with a, a huge outpouring of points. Um, yeah, it, if Tua was in this game, I would definitely pick Alabama, but I really think that makes the difference in this. I just don't see Mac Jones being able to come in 
and get the level of support he needs to win this game. And plus, I kind of think that I think Bodex is going to have a good game. He saw a little bit better results against Georgia at the end of it. They have Booby Whitlow back healthy, which he hasn't been in a while, and DJ Williams is picking it up. And I think that Bodex is going to have just a conservative, good game manager type role. And I think that you're going to see Booby Whitlow and DJ Williams have good games rushing it. And I do think that they're going to commit a couple turnovers. I think that you're going to see Auburn's secondary got like three interceptions last week, and they're starting to play a lot better. And I think you're probably going to get at least one strip sack. And I think turnovers and rushing yards make the difference. And right now, I like Auburn's defense more than I like Alabama's defense. And I think I like our ability to run the ball better overall than them. And I think we win a game 27-24. to 24. Okay. And I think there's right one other the thing. Right down to the field goal, yeah. Uh, you know, the, with it being at home, with Tua being out, and then I think with the pressure that Alabama has to have to win big, which is what, what everyone's like putting out there for them to do, I just think they're going to play tight and they're not going to have it. I do think they're a better team than Auburn. I just think that all of the X factors kind of line up to Auburn winning this game. Mm-hmm. Right. But if Tua were in, I'd give them a 10-point advantage. Well, as we alluded to earlier, I think that Auburn has to knock off Alabama to officially eliminate them from the playoff. If Alabama wins, I think both of us are thinking that they find a way in. I think so. I, mean, I think if they beat Auburn 3-2, to two, they deserve to get in. I think that it's that much of a, a feather in their cap to go in against that defense and that environment with a backup and win. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll switch to the next part of, of our rivalry, wearing my hottie toddy shirt tonight. Uh, for, for the egg roll, um, definitely not near as much at stake from a national standpoint, but I think for both these coaches, it's a very important game. Um, more so for Moorhead than I think for, um, for Matt Luke. I mean, Luke right now, I think he's safe. They could go out and lose by 50 points to Mississippi State. It doesn't make any difference, but Joe Moorhead has really bothered a lot of Mississippi State fans, not so much for what they've done this year, but for the missed opportunity he had last year with four first-round draft picks and really a very poor uh, season with all of that talent. And then to follow that up this year with being 100% non-competitive against the upper echelon teams in the SEC. I don't think Mississippi State fans were expecting them to go out and beat Auburn, Alabama, LSU this year. But they didn't want to get like wiped off the floor by them, which is what has happened in every single one of those games. And so I think right now Moorhead needs to beat Ole Miss get a bowl game, get a little bit of that goodwill back, because right now it seems like they're pretty apathetic to towards them in Starkville. Well, I kind of feel like both fan bases are approaching this game with a level of apathy. I think you're right for Mississippi State. The frustration and apathy is probably on another level because it looks like Moorhead could be fired either way. Um, but definitely if they lose uh, tomorrow night, as far as the matchup itself, it's very interesting because in years past, when Ole Miss is involved in any football game, you expect to see a lot of passing yards, a lot of pass plays. That is anything but the case in 2019 for Ole Miss with Plumlee, with uh, Jerry on Ely, the talented uh, running back as a freshman, and then Mississippi State has Kyle Hill, who I believe leads the SEC in rushing yards, which kind of surprised me when I looked at that statistic. And they also have Derek Schrader, who is a freshman a quarterback that plays a lot, that also has a, a good uh, ability to run ball. 
And so I think that passing yards will be a premium, and it will just depend on uh, which offense can run the ball more effectively, and maybe more importantly, which defense can do a better job of slowing down or containing uh, the opposing offensive attack. What I find very compelling when I did some research about this game, you look at illness rushing attack since uh, John Rice Plumley became the starter earlier in the season. They have put up some ridiculous numbers against uh, good SEC defenses. Even against Auburn, I think they had about 150 rushing yards. Against Alabama, they had 287 rushing yards. Against LSU, they had 402 rushing yards. And while those defenses are not anywhere close to the level of what we've come to expect of those two programs in recent years, I think if they can do that against those defenses, they can certainly do it against Mississippi State. Maybe not to the tune of 400 yards, but I definitely think that they can flirt with 250 at least. And so right now, I'm leaning towards Ole Miss because of those numbers in the past, because I think that there's a little bit more energy within the Ole Miss program internally because they still believe in Matt Luke. And then finally, I just think that John Rice Plumley and Jerry on Ely are just too good for Mississippi State to stop them. I think that they're going to get on the outside, pick up a lot of yards, and be really tough to tackle. Well, Joe, I think what you've seen with Ole Miss this year is you saw a team that if they were managed right was maybe a seven-win team. I think that had they started Plumlee from day one, they would have beaten Missouri, they would have beaten Cal, and we'd be talking about this Ole Miss team in a much different tenor than what we're talking about right now. I mean, the way Plumlee's played the last few games, um, I thought he played decent against Auburn, but he played fantastic against LSU. And if, L- if Ole Miss's defense could have put up any kind of uh, barrier to that fantastic uh, offense led by Burrow and those amazing receivers, then I think you would have seen Ole Miss win that game even. But right now they're playing with a lot of confidence. And one thing that I've noticed about Mississippi State is they have a bad rush defense. Um the best Auburn's rushing attack has looked all season was against Mississippi State. Uh, you were the first drive of that game. That was Booby Whitlow destroying Bully on a touchdown run because that was the kind of game it was for Mississippi State. They couldn't stop Auburn from rushing at all. And it was the same thing when they played Alabama and Tennessee. I mean, down the list, teams even that don't have that good of rushing attacks have gotten 200-plus yards against Mississippi State. And based on Ole Miss's confidence now, having done it to a pretty decent LSU D-line, I think Ole Miss is going to go for 300 yards plus against uh, Mississippi State. Now, I also think that Mississippi State's going to get their yards with Colin Hill and with Schrader running it against this Ole Miss defense. But I, I just I think that the Ole Miss offense is better right now. And I think that her team is, is more into this game. I think from a motivation standpoint, I think Ole Miss – you know, is a little bit more confident in themselves and sees the light at the end of the tunnel right now. Meanwhile, it seems like you're just backing further and further into darkness right now with that, with that state program, and I just don't think they're going to be that motivated. Yeah, absolutely. I think that with all this, you're building for the future with all of the freshmen that they have that are so talented. And with Mississippi State, you're just looking back in the rearview mirror and thinking what could have been last year with that outstanding defense and it kind of feels like uh, a lot of missed opportunities, and they're going nowhere as far as uh, the, the uh, trajectory of the program. Um, I think it will definitely be um, a, high, a fairly high-scoring game with a lot of yards, like you said, 
Um, you know, both defenses are not uh, the best. But defensively, I do think the two players I want to highlight real quick for Ole Miss that I think could have an impact are senior Benito Jones um, on the pass rush, and then uh, Lakia Henry, uh, the talented uh, Juco transfer at linebacker for Ole Miss. Uh, he leads the team in tackles, and his ability uh, to tackle uh, Kyle Hill will be uh, very important. Yeah, Johnny, if you look at Mississippi State standpoint, I think uh, Leo Lewis is going to play a very big uh, role in this game because the best way to stop Ole Miss's rushing attack is to have a strong linebacker, someone who can spy on Plumlee and watch his option game to see whether he keeps it and can get him right when he gets past that second uh, wave of, of defenders, which he's going to do. And so I think that if State's going to want to win this game, they're going to need a big game from Leo Lewis. Yeah, for sure. But ultimately, I'm going to say that Ole Miss uh, wins 34 to 27. Yeah, Joe, I like Ole Miss in this game as well. Uh, a little bit higher scoring. I think Ole Miss wins this game 41 to 38. Pretty much Pac-12 style, except not through the air, but on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, speaking of a game that probably is going to be more like what old school football is, a lot more like the Iron Bowl. Let's look at. The game, that being Ohio State-Michigan. I've always thought that was a really stupid moniker for a game to call it the game because no one knows what you're talking about when you say that. But uh, looking at Ohio State-Michigan, um, Joe, this is a game that, you know, in the middle of the season, we, we thought it would look a lot more like what last year's game was uh, and then the last eight years. And it just seemed like Michigan was a program out of sorts. It seemed like Harbaugh maybe, maybe had a foot out of the door but suddenly Michigan's had quite the renaissance in the second half of the season, and you can make an argument that they're playing the best football anywhere in America right now. And suddenly this game has gotten very interesting. Uh, you know, like I, I told you, there's a lot of X factors that favor Auburn to win that game against Alabama. It seems like there's a lot of X factors that are favoring Michigan to maybe finally get the best of the Buckeyes and have Harbaugh get that monkey off his back. Well, I think that Michigan can work with the confidence that they're playing great and they also have nothing to lose. They don't have the pressure that they had like in 2015 and 2018 when they took on the Buckeyes and were either expected to win or were vying for a uh, position in the college football playoff. Uh, the most significant uh, change in Michigan's team over the last month or two is that the offense is clicking on all cylinders. The passing game with Shea Patterson is finally opening up the way we expected them to play um, when he arrived in Ann Arbor prior to last season. Um, they've given him uh, a lot more deference as far as you know his ability to improvise and be um, the quarterback that we all expected him to be. Um, I do think, though, that when you look at Ohio State, even though they're going to be going on the road to Ann Arbor in such a hostile environment where Michigan fans are starting to win this game, I do think that pound for pound, collectively, Ohio State has the most talented roster in the country. I really do not see any uh, inherent glaring weaknesses on this team. Uh, Justin Fields is just so efficient as a quarterback. You look at his touchdown interception ratio of 33 to 1. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous. And then uh, J.K. Dobbins is uh, one of the greatest uh, running backs right now in sports a slew of really good wide receivers. 
we know about the defense, which was up until last week, the number one uh, scoring defense in college football. And Chase Young picked up right where he left off prior to his suspension uh, last week against Penn State. And so I think that Michigan, the way they're playing, that they're going to make this a much more entertaining game than we would have expected a couple of months ago. But honestly, making no bones about it, I still have to uh, lean towards Ohio State. Well, Joe, I definitely think there's no doubt that the Michigan's going to play a great game here. I think the improved play of Shea Patterson, definitely the biggest factor in what they turned around from being a team that had a good defense but a very subpar offense to suddenly having a really good offense and a great defense. Um, I just, you know, I, I get these feelings, Joe, about games where you have rivalries where one team is beating the other one for so long and there's not the biggest talent gap in the world that suddenly it seems like they're going to break through. And I just kind of think Michigan's going to win this game. Like last year, I, I think both of us called Ohio State to beat Michigan last year because you could sense that the moment was too big for them. Everyone was building Michigan up so much. And let's be honest, Urban Meyer is a much better coach than Jim Harbaugh. He's never shown that he could compete with someone like Urban Meyer. And I know that Ryan Day has done just an excellent job in his first year but I kind of think that Harbaugh seems to have gotten rid of some of his, his worst tendencies. And I really like Don Brown's ability to scheme up for one game. And I think that Justin Fields is due for a bad game. He hasn't had one yet. And I kind of think that this might be a game where it could happen because, to be honest, even if Ohio State loses, they still have everything on the table for them if they win the Big Ten. So I kind of think that the Demons are going to exercise for Harbaugh and he's going to win this game in kind of a tighter, lower scoring game. Okay. I think the key to Michigan having a chance to keep it close throughout is protecting Shea Patterson against the pass rush with Chase Young. That Michigan offensive line against Chase Young is the most important matchup that I'm looking at. And then the second thing I'm looking at is that Ohio State did not turn the ball over because while Fields has been so good, otherworldly, if you will, about his touchdown-interception ratio, uh, J.K. Dobbins fumbled last week. They had some uh, untimely turnovers that allowed Penn State to hang around. You can't do that on the road against Michigan and expect to win. But I do think, like I said, just the talent level of Ohio State, I uh, really like them right now. And I think that they'll find a way uh, to win in, in, in Ann Arbor. I think Michigan makes it interesting throughout three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, Ohio State pulls away and wins 31-17. to 17. All right. And Joe, I like Michigan in a tight, big upset here, 20-17. to 17. Low scoring game. I think Fields is going to have a rough time against that Michigan defense. And I think Shea Patterson makes just enough plays, and Harbaugh finally gets that win, albeit not against Urban Meyer. Right. All right, Joe, let's switch to um, sticking to the Big Ten real quick. Let's look at uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Minnesota's still a team that has a small outside chance of getting in the college football playoff if they can win. Uh, if they can beat Wisconsin, first time they'll make a Big Ten championship game. Who do you like in, in the battle for, I believe, it's the Little Brown Jug? Well, um, I think that with this rivalry, um, Wisconsin has you know had the upper hand a lot over the years. Uh, they've been the more dominant program. Um, you know, almost even to the level of times of Ohio State versus Michigan because they've had so many appearances either in Big Ten Championship game or in the Rose Bowl. 
Um, I think that Minnesota's uh, offense with Tanner Morgan is really good, but I really like the rushing attack with Jonathan Taylor for Wisconsin, especially in a game like this. I think that going on the road to Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin is equipped with the running game that can eat up clock, that can limit possessions for Tanner Morgan, and then also the defense for Wisconsin that a lot of people have forgotten about after they lost a couple of games this season. This was the, one of the best defenses in the country uh, for the first month or two of the season. So I think that they um, find uh, their old uh, rhythm, and I think that they go on the road to Minnesota, uh, ruin their dream season, and that Wisconsin finds a way to get to the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, Joe, I'm on the same boat on this. I've loved what this Minnesota team has done. Getting that Penn State victory was huge. Seems like P.J. Fleck is starting to make them into a real contender. Unfortunately, Wisconsin's defense is that good. And the biggest problem that Minnesota has is their inability to run the football. Because you can beat Wisconsin running it, but they have, I believe, like a top five pass defense in America. And Tanner Morgan's not going to have a lot of windows. He's not going to get the chance to use his great wide receivers as much. And I think they're going to get shut down in the passing game and they don't have a strong enough uh, rushing attack to get enough points here. And meanwhile, Jonathan Taylor travels everywhere and never seems to have that bad of a game. And I think that this is just one of those times when Wisconsin's just a little better than them at the positions that matter, and they've been there before. And I think, yet again, Minnesota's going to get caught up in in you know the fact that this game is just so important that Wisconsin's just better than they are and it's been there. So I like Wisconsin this game, twenty-four to fourteen. I'll say Wisconsin thirty to twenty-three. All right, uh, here's one real quick. We don't need to pick a winner because we know what it is. Uh, Joe, if Clemson beats South Carolina by thirty-five points, is Will Muschamp still their coach next week? Um, I think that he'll hang on just because uh, we were talking before the show that the athletic director has uh, stated, you know, that they have a vote of confidence right now towards Muschamp. They're kind of behind him. And also, I think that it would be, you know, tough for a program like South Carolina to make a move and to find somebody a lot better this quick. But long term, I'm not so sure if I see Muschamp being the coach, you know, uh, more than two or three years down the road. But I do think he'll be back in 2020 regardless of the outcome of this game. Well, I think that if South Carolina is competitive for even a quarter, he'll probably be fine. But if it's something like 60 to nothing or in the 50s, I think you might be done. You don't like getting that dreaded vote of confidence. Um, and Joe, the last thing I wanted to end this show on is what I'm seeing is my huge upset of the week. I picked Alabama, I picked Auburn over Alabama, which is a four-point game. That's not that big of an upset. Uh, Michigan over Ohio State, I think, a couple weeks ago would have been a big upset, but not as much. But I see LSU going down this week against Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher due for a big win. This is the kind of team that matches up really good with LSU. Uh, I think Kellen Mond will be able to limit possessions. He can take advantage of what is not a great LSU defense. And I think A&M's passing defense, which is very solid, will limit Joe Burrow, and I think that this is the game where LSC finally loses. Well, it reminds you a lot of the 2007 Arkansas-LSU matchup. I do think it will be wildly entertaining, but I think LSU escapes 45-38. to 38. All right, Joe. I like uh, A&M in this game, 31-28. to 28. 
Uh, thank you for listening to our show tonight, and look, everyone looking forward to Rivalry Saturday. You can catch our show on Spotify, look up the Dan and Joe Sports Show, and then also like us on Facebook and follow our fan page at Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.